We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies EdTech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where I help you stop putting out fires and start leading. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can follow me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Welcome to the Transformative Principle Podcast. This is your host, Eric McKelkey, and we've got our guest, Amelia Leighton Gamel, with us this morning. Welcome, Amelia. Thank you. Glad to be here today, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for, for getting up early. It was dark and windy this morning, and I realized when I turned on my Zoom camera, I've got coffee all down my shirt and my pants, but this early in the morning, nobody, nobody will notice. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> yeah, so our... Direction on the podcast, as Jethro Jones has let me take over temporarily and, and host the show, is looking at some ways to get building principles that are new in the position or new to the profession, some specific help. So you and I got connected by some uh, colleagues around the topic of retention and recruitment of teachers, something that schools everywhere and really all businesses today are facing. So tell us a little bit about your background and how it relates to education and and working with with educators. Absolutely. So I started my career um, in elementary education. Um, I taught uh, early L and focused on literacy, especially. I did that in both public and private schools. I stayed in the systems for about eight years. I moved into higher education and started teaching remedial classes at the college level um, and worked in higher education both as an administrator and as a tenured faculty member. Um, During that time, I started um, writing some books. I published a few books and then started traveling around the United States, um, helping educators and college faculty members uh, build rapport and relationships in the classroom and focused on student uh, success and advancement. And one really interesting that came up when when we first talked, Amy, was Tell, tell the listeners about your current employer and, and position. 
Yeah. So right now I am working with NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory, and I'm um, focused on uh, some diversity and inclusion aspects and a talent pipeline um, into uh, the organization. That was impressive. We could we could spend a lot of time talking about those experiences, and I know um, you've got quite the background as a speaker and an author, and you've you've won some awards, right? The J Ward Preston Outstanding mm-hmm. Faculty Award. Exactly. Yeah, impressive. So, thinking about the topic this morning, Amy, with with staff turnover, um, what do you think are some of the the biggest causes of that in schools today? Yeah, I think because I'm uh, still, of course, working very closely with K-12 districts and higher ed organizations. And when I'm looking at the the K-12 arena, especially, I think that the turnover has um, to do with three parts, I think. Um, And so I think the the parental support, the lack of parental support is one piece. Um, I think maybe a lack of administrative support is a piece, not always, but sometimes. But I think that the biggest issue that I'm hearing across the country, Eric, is the idea of the classroom management. Um, teachers are overwhelmed. Um, they're coming in. They don't have a lot of experience, especially if they're a novice teacher, a new teacher. Um, they have some methods classes about how to do that sometimes in their education programs, but not a lot of time is spent on that. So that is the number one reason that I'm hearing and seeing across the country. Yeah, and that it, it kind of sounds like the perfect storm, right? If you, as a classroom teacher, you feel like you don't have the support at home, yeah. and you feel like you don't have the support of your administration, and you're and you're having difficulty in the classroom with the students. Um, that that makes a lot of sense as far as just feeling burnt out and feeling like things aren't going to get better, making a difference with students. Yeah, and I know you know the old saying: people don't quit their job; they quit their boss. Um, There's also been, you know, there's a lot in the news about teacher shortages and, and I've read about big districts, you know, still holding teacher fairs right before school starts and having 800 vacancies. But there was also some interesting research that the National Principals Association did that showed that the administrative turnovers as great or even greater than teachers, which probably isn't going to help anything as far as retaining teachers if you've got you know, a lack of support, teachers leaving the profession, and then on top of that, a turnover in leadership. Is that is that kind of what you've seen and heard recently? It yeah, it is, Eric. And again, I think it goes back to this issue of managing the classroom, because what's happening is um, this, the teachers are feeling overwhelmed. They, they don't know how to manage the classroom, and that's nothing against them. They just haven't been taught yet. Um, and then, of course, they'll go to the administration um, and, you know, kind of vent that to them. Um, and then the, the administrators don't have the support of the parents oftentimes either. And it's it, like you said, it's the perfect storm. Um, I will tell you an interesting thing I just heard recently. You know, a lot of schools trying to they're trying to remediate this this retention issue. So some of the schools that I've been talking with are starting mentoring programs. So they'll bring in a new teacher doesn't have to be necessarily a novice teacher. It could be a teacher that's been in the field for a few years, but maybe switched buildings or switched districts. Um, So they're matching them with a mentor. 
And in theory, it sounds great, right? So we have this mentoring teacher, but I'm finding out that that's not really what's happening at all. The mentor is more helping them with, you know, reminding them that there's a meeting or telling them, you know, our policy, we don't let the children, you know, especially if it's early outside, if there's not an attendant on the playground or things like that. It's not really focused, again, on what's going on in the classroom. And that's where the, the trouble is stirring. Why, why do you think that is? Because I, I sense that when I've worked with teachers and when I was a teacher, it's almost like, you know, the, the classroom management, which at the end of the day, that's a foundational thing that we, we do in the classroom. It's, it's not a topic that comes up very often. Not many teachers seem to ask for help with that and not many administrators seem to actually provide any help with that now now that i hear you say that it's like you know mentoring programs are oh let's do book studies and here's the grading policy and curriculum which is all important and part of the job but why aren't we spending more time and effort on managing the classroom that's a great question i think um there's two parts to that the first part is what you just said Teachers don't reach out. They're embarrassed. You know, they don't want to admit it's, um, you know, it makes them feel less than I'm not a professional. I'm not able. I'm not, you know, (laughs) adept, I guess is what it is. So they're feeling embarrassed about having to reach out. Um, And then I think also is it something classroom management is something that I just think that we don't put enough attention on. One of the things that I've been working on, Eric, with um, schools across the country um, is we're calling it classroom management boot camp. Um, and it does help. And I was talking just to some teachers yesterday, as a matter of fact, here in Michigan. And um, I asked them, I said, when you started out, when you that first year that you were teaching, those first few months, how valuable would have been the classroom management boot camp if it would have been available? Um, and they were just very, you know, a unanimous, yes, it would have been valuable. They felt like they were walking in without the tools um, and the resources, and they really didn't know how to get started. And um, it was kind of a trial by fire type of situation. So that's one of the things um, that we're focusing on now is the, the classroom management boot camp. Are, are the building principles included in that boot camp? Yeah, so how it works is um, there's two different sessions. Um, so one is just kind of a, um, a general training, classroom management boot camp. And then also um, people can sign up for individual sessions. So if they want more of a one-on-one, especially if they're a new or novice teacher, um, and the administrators can attend as well. So um, we're finding that it's working. It's great. And what we have found, Eric, is, and, and you know this as well, but happy teachers don't quit. Right. Right. Teachers come in the building and they feel like I've got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. My class runs along like a well-oiled machine. Things are great. They're going to stay. So um, we're having really good outcomes with the with the boot camp. Yeah, that that's something I've always found interesting when I became an administrator, because as a teacher, especially years ago, when when things were less collaborative than they are now, you kind of go to your room and you do your thing and you have your management style. And if there's no issues, you know, the principal leaves you alone, you leave the principal alone, things, things are good. But when you become an administrator and, and you're, you're looking at all of the different classrooms and all the different grade levels and all the different styles, it was really hard to 
make each teacher feel like they were supported because you know the the styles and ultimately the tolerance that each teacher had is so different um i always enjoyed at the end of the year looking at um our our odr's office discipline referrals and looking at it by teacher you know there were multiple teachers that they they wouldn't refer a student to the office for major discipline maybe in their whole career and then there were some that if they didn't bring a pencil, they were sent to the office. So thinking about that as an administrator, what what suggestions would you have to help teachers feel supported, but also maybe have some common expectations for students? Yeah, again, I think there's a couple things here. You know, at least what I'm seeing around the country is having the mentor program and having that just be um, not just a vague thing, Eric, but very specific. This is what you're going to focus on week one. This is what you're going to focus on week two. This is what your discussion should include. This is what conversation should be um, had. Um, So having that being very structured. Um, The second thing I think would be supportive, again, is some uh, classroom management training, some under education, however they're going to do that, whether they're going to, like you said, had a book talk around classroom management or hire someone to come in and train. Um, I think that's the next thing. And then, like you said, that third thing is the common expectations and be very clear about that. It's not okay to send a student for not having a pencil. That That's, you know, we need to have this hierarchy of what's appropriate and what isn't. Um, but I think, again, just kind of, you know, it gets, I'm excited just talking to you about it. The idea of what that would do in a building um, for a new teacher or a teacher that's a veteran, but coming in and having these three supports in place, um, how much easier life would be for the teacher and the administrator. You know, the administrators are going to be happy when they have happy teachers and happy teachers are going to be happy when things are going well in the classroom and they feel like they're on top of the game. Yeah. And and probably the same could be said about parents, right? If the teachers are happy, the administrators are happy, the parents are probably getting less calls and feel like school's a little more, a little more positive. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's um that's something, Eric, I think that we are missing. We are just really missing the mark. And I'm gonna say that that's a missed mark in K-12, as well as even in the community college um, arena. But we are living in the days of inclusivity and sense of belonging is giant, especially coming out of COVID. This is what people are focusing on. They have reevaluated life and they've reevaluated how they're doing things um, and realized the value of having that sense of belonging, whether it's with our families or communities or sometimes even um, in the classroom, for example, what we're talking about here. So I think that um, especially when we're talking about schools or districts that have, they're either in a uh, very urban area or they have a very diverse population. Um, I think having that inclusive environment is key and including the parents. In fact, again, just having some conversations with some teachers about that. One of the first things I asked was, um, what are you doing um, in your classes right now to include parents? How are you welcoming families into your classroom um, and engaging with with folks? Um, and that question um, was the response was silence for a minute. <laughs> they weren't quite sure how they were doing that, but we have to get parents um, included. And even if they're not in the classroom, they have to be participating. They have to be engaged. Let's use that word um, so they feel a part of. Um, It's a really key point. Before we move on, let's hear from our sponsors. 
Do you, do you sense what I sense when it comes to parent involvement? A lot of teachers and, and honestly, principals are probably as guilty or more guilty of this as well. We, we don't reach out to parents more and engage parents because we're afraid of parents disagreeing, being upset, sending emails. Do, do you sense that at all when you, when you talk with teachers and their hesitation to include parents? My, my sense is that they're not, it doesn't even come to their mind to include the parents. They think, like you said, we go in the classroom, it seems very insular. You know, we don't engage with the parents. We don't engage sometimes with other teachers. It's gotten better over the years. Um, but it's kind of like our room, our deal, our lessons. Um, I think that we need to kind of reframe again that, that approach. And I think that the parents would, enjoy knowing that the teachers care about their child as a as an individual person um, and having them be involved. Remember too, Eric, that um, a lot of parents, they themselves did not have positive K-12 um, experiences and they stay away. You know, this isn't just on the on the teachers, the parents themselves are trying to stay away. It's kind of like no news is good news, right? So unless you're calling me to tell me um, that my child is doing something. Um, if we just stay apart and we don't communicate, that's fine with me. Um, and I think that we need to change that a little bit. Yeah, that <clears throat> that sounds like something one of my, my previous superintendents said. He said, Eric, silence is applause. If no one's complaining, you're doing great. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we, we have to change that. I will tell you too, I hear um, quite honestly, and maybe some of your listeners will, um, this will resonate with them. But I do hear some um, some tension there from teachers about parents. Um, there's a little bit of judgment going on. You know, parents aren't doing what they're supposed to. Parents don't care about their kids. Parents don't come to conferences. Um, parents are sleeping in or uh, playing video games and not getting their kids to school on time or or whatever. So um, I think that that needs to change as well. Um, so I do focus on reframings, reframing um, some of our preconceived notions about parents and about students. So that's where the reframing comes in. Yeah. And one, one of my personal philosophies with parents, you know, there's some that despite your best efforts may never engage or be involved. And there's also some dis- despite giving them no opportunities, they'll find a way to be involved. And a lot of that falls on the school and, and just the challenges, give them, give them an opportunity and give them a role. And a lot of times the parents that can frustrate you or you feel like aren't supportive, it's just their way of, you know, there's, there's no opportunity for me to participate. So I'm going to make my own way. And, and that's on us as schools. We can include them in things that they feel heard. They, they feel like they're allowed to give input. Um, they can really help communicate, especially most of my experience has been in small towns and small school districts. You know, having five parents involved can really help address some of the issues that come from rumors and miscommunication. If you, you get those active parents involved that know what's going on and why decisions are made, it can really be a positive thing for the school and the, and the parents. Yeah, and let's apply that to the classroom as well, Eric. So we'll circle back to the sense of belonging and the inclusivity. When you um, have that, when you've developed that feeling in the classroom, a sense of belonging and almost like a family environment in the classroom, you know, research tells us we don't hurt people that we like. And when we think about kids, you know, 
fighting or getting into trouble or antagonizing another student or bullying that doesn't happen in environments where they feel like there's a sense of belonging there. So that same belonging that we're talking about with parents, um, again, translates into the classroom. And that really, again, is a classroom management issue. So when we ask teachers, again, what are you doing to foster inclusivity and a sense of belonging in your classroom? Um, that's something that needs to be thought about and intentional about you know, developing and curating. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. So it's interesting. We've talked a lot about, you know, the topic today, recruiting and retaining staff. And n- none of our discussion has been around what I think most schools have done, or at least what I've heard, um, raising pay, signing bonuses. I think it was Tennessee was the first state that came up with an alternative uh, licensure program. But what do you what do you think about some of those trends as far as focusing on um, compensation and just getting more bodies in the classroom? Do you think that's going to help solve this this problem in schools or make it worse? Yeah, so that's a really interesting um, point. And this is what I'm seeing, Eric. Well, you know, I'm all about teachers making more money um, so they can provide, you know, for their families. And I know how important it is. I was in the classroom myself until very, very recently. So I'm all about that. And I know that some teachers have student loan debt on top of uh, just trying to, you know, survive. So I don't want to diminish that at all. I think that's a, a big, important piece. However, if we look at what, um, say, for example, what people make in nonprofit organizations, they're making about what the salaries are of a teacher or sometimes less, and yet they're happy and they love their jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have to think about that. We also know those incentives that are bringing teachers into the classroom. We are, we're already starting to get some research and feedback from that. It's not helping. Um, we know that there are teachers. So for example, in certain areas, they'll say, well, you have to hire in and you stay in a year and then you'll get X, Y, and Z, whatever dollar amount or student loan relief or whatever they're going to get, but they're still not staying. That isn't enough of a hook to keep them there. Again, I think that since COVID, I think that people are focused on, like I said, their, their wellness, their priorities of being happy and feeling good and, and being connected. Um, and it's just not enough for them. So if they're in the classroom and they're still feeling overwhelmed um, and they're not feeling like they're making an impact and that they don't have a handle on the room, um, they're going to leave. Yeah, no no amount of money or no one-time bonus is going to change that. No, it's really not. Yeah. Really, yeah. Well, and, and, and one other question I wanted to get your input on, you know, I, I'm an, a principal that's new to uh, the district and the community and and in our specific high school here in um, Glen Rock, Wyoming, we also have a new assistant principal in AD and one of our secretaries is new. So just looking at our, like our office team, there's been a lot of turnover. Looking at our teaching staff, um, seven of our 20, 25 certified teachers are new to the district this year. So a lot of turnover, um, which I think is only compounding when you've got all new leadership in the building too. But what what starting point would you suggest for principals? You're coming in, you know that there's been turnover. Where where do you start trying to keep staff and help solve some of these issues, Amy? Yeah, well I think you just said the magic words, keep staff. So we know that it's um better for the the school and the district 
We know it's more um, advantageous for the students and we know it's more more lucrative. It's it's less expensive to keep the, the teachers that we have than it is to find new teachers. So it's a win all the way around if we retain teachers. Um, and if we can retain them, then we're not looking, you know, for the next one to come in the door anyways. So that's where my focus would, would be if I were a principal. I would focus on the retention and focus on, again, offering the teachers the support that they need and focusing on that sense of belonging in the classroom um, and putting those things in place. So that's the feeling in the building. They're, they're confident. They're able. We've got this. We're on it. And we're working together in unity to do our work. Yeah. And that that that's important. It's also hard work. It seems like a lot of our time and attention is focused on well shoot this spot is vacant let's hey who let's reach out and find somebody let's get it filled and it's like playing whack-a-mole people always ask hey are is our is our department full do we have everything hired and it's like day to day week to week that can change and that that kind of becomes the focus and um we're not really addressing some of those deeper issues that that you've talked about yeah, and those are the issues that are chasing the teachers away, right? So as soon as we get them in, they're going to leave anyways. If we don't get those other pieces in place, you know, we can bring in 50, we can bring in 100 teachers, it doesn't matter. They're not going to stay if we don't have the base and the foundation um, in place. Yeah. Oh, it sounds like I, I read a, a press release from a district, a large urban district, and they said that they were going to have to transfer some elementary students to different schools because of a lack of staffing and so when that first came out for parents the district um, published that there were 500 teaching vacancies to start the year and by the time the scheduling was done and parents were notified of what school they were going to the district said we now have 700 teaching vacancies (laughs) it's like you lost 200 more teachers this week what is going on Right. Yeah. And I've even heard stories, you know, around the country, they'll say they'll bring a teacher in um, and three weeks later, they're gone. Six weeks later, they're gone or they'll stay till Christmas and they never come back or spring break and they never come back. Um, I mean, they're leaving as fast as they come in the door. So I think there's a, you know, a leak in the bucket here somewhere. Yeah. Maybe a hole, maybe bigger than a leak. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, a great way uh, to wrap up this conversation, Amy, we, we always ask, what what's one thing that principals could do this week to be a transformative leader like you? Yeah, there's so many things to pick from. I think I would circle back, Eric, and I think I would start getting things. I'd get plans in place to get a fantastic mentor program going in my building and to get some uh, classroom management um education, you know, to my teachers in some some capacity, and then getting that uh, expectation that you were talking about earlier. So everybody's on the same page um, with behaviors and what warrants going to, you know, uh, an office referral and what doesn't. So those are the three things I would focus on. All right. Well, thank you, Amy. I know your website is equitableedu.org. But what's what's the best way for listeners to reach out and get in touch with you? Yeah, I think the best way would be either to um, to text uh, or call directly, and I'll give you that phone number. It's 517-392-1207. I'll say that again in just a minute. I'll repeat that. Or uh, to email me directly to my personal email, 
which is my last name, Gamel, G-A-M-E-L, and then my first name, Amelia, A-M-E-L-I-A, no dots, um, at gmail.com. So um, either of those ways. And again, the number is 517-392-1207. Great. Well, thank you, Amy. And we'll have all your contact information um, in the show notes so listeners can follow up and get in touch with some of the help uh, that I, I think all of us desperately need. Yeah. Great. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Eric. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Yes. Thank you, Amy. We really appreciate having you on the show. Thank you. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com BE.